In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. At the day of judgment, many people will find that the works they did on this earth, thinking they were good, were not good works. And Jesus will cast them away from him. The only works that are good works are the works that are instigated by God, authored by God. God might tell us specifically exactly what to do. God might give us a dream to tell us what to do. God might put in our heart what to do. But it must be authored by God and not by the flesh of man. Look at John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus says, It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. I see many church people who are led by what their parents taught them to do in past years. Visiting the sick, different types of good works. It must be God authoring the work before it's a good work. If God puts it into your heart to visit a certain person, it is most likely that you have something in you that you're able to give to that person or do for that person. It will not be a futile work. I was in a rehabilitation hospital in Texas for three, two months, two and a half months. From December 6th, 2018 through February 24th, 2019, two rehabilitation hospitals after surgery after an accident where I fell at my house. I was in what I would describe as poor condition. I couldn't even get out of bed to get to the bathroom. I could eat almost nothing because they were giving me so many different types of painkillers and medicines that I just couldn't eat. During that time, I lost 40 pounds. That I consider to be sick. When a person in a hospital is sick, you have to be very, very careful about going to visit that person. It can't just be chit-chat. They are too sick for that. One of the women who came to visit me 
has, had obviously been taught by her parents as a child to go visit the sick. It was a Christian thing to do or a church thing to do. And she frequently had one pattern that she followed, and that was to take food to the sick person. A woman uh, became very ill, and she went to this woman's house, and she rang the doorbell, and she asked her husband, what do you need? What kind of food do you need? And he said, we don't need any food. She said, well, that won't work. So she went to Walmart and bought a bunch of food and took it to the house and rang the doorbell. Gary answered the door, and she, he said, oh, my. And she took the food in and left it. Is that a work of God, to pro provide food where there is no need for food? I believe this woman was led by the teaching of her father and mother. I don't believe this was a leading of God to give to that person who doesn't need the gift. When I was in the hospital, she came to see me two or three times during that two and a half months that I was in rehab. And on her way to the hospital, she called me. She said, can I bring you anything? And I said, no, I don't need anything. When you're very, very sick and are in a hospital, you're happy to be there because you know they are equipped to provide for what you need. I certainly have felt that way every time I've had to go to a hospital. I've been so grateful because I knew I was in a place where they would take care of these physical things that I would need. But this woman insisted that she bring some kind of food or drink to me. I couldn't even eat. But because she wanted to do it and I knew it would make her feel good, I said, well, I guess you could bring me some 7-Up and some potato chips, although I couldn't eat potato chips for a long time. Uh, they were helpful a little bit when I would have an upset stomach. The salt somehow settled it, my stomach. So she was very happy, and she came to my room and brought me quite a few bags of potato chips and several cartons of 7-Up. That was okay, but see, she's providing a need where there is no need, and she's doing it not because God is leading her, I'm sure God wasn't leading her to bring me something that I didn't need. She was doing it because of her own flesh, because that was what good people did. That's what her parents had taught her to do. It wasn't God leading her. We must be led by God in everything we do. Otherwise, we could not only lose reward in heaven, we could be cast out completely. Jesus saying, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. God didn't tell you to do that. This woman, unfortunately, looks for good works to do and would frequently say to me, 
Well, that's a good work, isn't it? She wants to see those works with her own eyes. It's a little bit like when I turn on the television and see the NFL channel. They're always telling about a certain amount of money they have given to such and such for some flood disaster or something like that. I always think, why didn't you just give it and not tell it? Why do you have to tell it? We know, Jesus said, when you do your alms, don't sound a trumpet before you to be seen of men, but just do the alms in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. But the NFL, all of those secular organizations love to tell the exact dollar figure that they have given They're worldly, secular, it profits nothing when that is the case. We want to be sure that when we do work, it is authored by God. A second woman came to visit me in the hospital. I knew she had been taught to visit the sick. She had been taught by humans and by her church group to visit the sick. I was glad that she came, I suppose. I was very tired, and mostly I had to do the talking. She is sort of a shy person, and I didn't feel like talking, so I was glad when she left the room. A third woman came upon my request to bring me things from my house from time to time. I would find a need and I would ask her to bring something and that was fine and she was glad to do it but then she just sat down and stayed in my room as if it were her duty to stay with my flesh and often I was under so much drugs I would go to sleep and I'd wake up and she'd still be there and I would tell her please go home because you're not needed here. I don't need anything. Go home and do whatever you normally do and rest and take care of yourself. I appreciate your bringing the thing, but you're not, you don't need to sit here with me. Sometimes it's a lot of pressure on a person if you just sit there. They feel they have to talk with you, and if you're in a hospital... You should be sick enough that you don't really want to sit there and talk to people. I was. If I'm well enough, I'd be out of the hospital. A fourth person came four times flying from Colorado Springs to Lubbock, Texas. That's about 450 miles. She came four times. And each time she came there, I knew she was sent by God to help me, and she really helped. One time, I had to change from one rehabilitation hospital to another. She flew down at Christmas Day, or before the day before Christmas, I don't remember which, but she flew down right there at Christmas time, and she got on the phone and found a rehabilitation hospital 
that would take me as a patient, and they had an opening, a private room, which I needed. And she found one that would take me at Christmas time. She arranged for me to be moved. I was totally incapable of providing any of those things for myself. I couldn't, I couldn't even talk on the telephone very much. I was not in a condition to do that. I certainly couldn't make a phone call. I was not in a condition to press the buttons on the phone to make the phone call or even to find the phone most of the time. She came down another time, and the next time was to help me get to the surgeon's appointment. And I was in such pain that time that she had to arrange for me to be taken back to the rehab center by ambulance. She came down another time after I had put the house up for sale. She came down to coordinate all of the things with the contractor with the real estate agent, with the person who was going to do an estate sale to sell off all of my possessions. She came down, she took pictures of uh, the things in my house and had me point out which things I wanted to put in storage and which things I wanted to put up for sale. About two or three months later, she told me that. I didn't even remember her doing it. I was taking so much medicine at that time that I couldn't remember any of those things. But she just knew to do it, and she did it. She was sent by God. She didn't wear me out. In every case, I knew she was being led by God, and she quietly did the thing without asking me a bunch of questions or trying to push anything off on me. She never did that once. She was led by God. Now, she will receive reward in heaven. I'm just sure she will for what she did, though she wasn't doing it to receive reward in heaven. I'm sure she will receive it. When we do something, we want to be sure that we are led by God to do that work. Otherwise, we can do great damage to the person as well as to yourself. You can even kind of become their God by taking over unless God has shown you to take over. They can look to you for help instead of looking to God for help. Plus, Jesus can cast you away in heaven. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you. You can say, but I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and I did that. And be cast away. As new Christians, we often do many dumb things. One of the dumbest things that I've ever done, I was a new Christian, and I was going to a prayer group that met in a home in my neighborhood. I liked the women in the group, and four of them were going to homes to cast out devils out of the houses. Well, I liked these women, and after we cast the devils out of the houses, we went to eat and had lots of fun. It was an outing for me, and particularly fun. 
Later, I read in the Bible that devils, they don't live in houses, human houses. They live in humans. Our work was totally futile, but great fun at the time as a new Christian. Pam Padgett did something similar to this. She was in a non-denominational church in Oklahoma. They announced at the church service, the pastor announced that the singles group were going to another city in Oklahoma to minister. Pam had been in the singles group at one time, but was no longer in the singles group. And by that time this had been announced, she hardly knew anybody at all in the singles group. And she thought this would be a good way to meet people. So she signed up to go on this ministry trip. It was for a four-hour bus trip, not air-conditioned bus, school bus. They took school buses. Four-hour drive from the city where this church was, where Pam lived, to the church they were going to minister to. When they got there, Pam asked the person who was in charge, what do we do to minister? And he didn't know, and no one else knew what they were supposed to do. And what they ended up doing was singing two or three songs, and then they drove the four-hour trip back to the city where they lived. This is a typical example of works of men. A woman that I had been quite friendly with, an older woman, she had been raised Baptist. Her grandfather was a Baptist pastor. And she and I really connected with spiritual things. She got sick and very sick and had to be taken by ambulance to a hospital and they didn't know if she would live or not. I was not in very good condition at that time. I had had a one fall and had difficulty walking, but I did make it to the hospital to visit her. And in her room, I told her what happens to us when we die, according to the Bible. She didn't know these things. That's not unusual. For some reason, they don't teach these things at most churches, I've found. And here she's at the point of death. So I was sharing with her things like that. I was sharing with her what the new heaven and the new earth is, according to Revelation 21. Now, in the case of this woman, I did not hear a word from God to go see her, but I had it deeply rooted in my heart that I wanted to go see her. She had been taken out of her house by ambulance, and she didn't have her purse or money or anything. So I gave her some money to use uh, for Cokes and things like that. And she um, said, well, her grandson would be coming in that week, and he would bring her also some money, and she didn't need much. But I left her a little bit of change. I took her one of my books. I don't remember which one. It was one that I felt strongly led to take her. The trip might have been of God. And sometimes you simply have to go by that. It's in your heart to do this for a person. You sense that they have a need. It could be a physical need or it could be a spiritual need. But it's a need that you are able to provide for that person. And you want to check on them. You want to see 
if they have this need and share with them if they do have the need, whether it be spiritual things or physical, if they have a physical need. There is a scripture in James chapter 1 which says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That word to visit, that doesn't mean just go chat with them. It means to judge their situation and see if they have a need, if they have a financial need, if they have any type of physical need, if they have a spiritual need, to visit, to judge the fatherless and widows in their affliction. That is certainly pure religion in the sight of God when we do that. And often in that case, we are able to provide a need for that person. And we do provide the need. What I find in my own case is that when God wants me to do a ministry work, he makes it very clear to me to do that work. On January 10th, 1980, I had been waiting for six months at that time. I knew I was to go into the ministry, but I just didn't know how or what I was to do. And I had stayed just at home and read the Bible. I closed my business that I had and used the money from the sale of the merchandise to pay my rent and my food and my needs. I did not try to get a job at a church. I just stayed home and read the Bible and waited. On January the 10th, 1980, I was asleep in the night and was awakened by a very loud trumpet-like sounding voice that spoke three words in my ear. Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I jumped out of bed, wrote KWJS on a notepad. When I looked it up, I found it was a radio station. And I said to God, are you telling me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. A very gentle thought came into my mind, which I know was the Holy Spirit speaking. And here is what the Holy Spirit said. Call the radio station manager. That same morning, I called the radio station manager and I said, God might be showing me to go on radio. How would you do that? And the station manager of KWJS said, make an audition tape 29 and a half minutes long 
And if you fit our broadcast, we will offer you a contract. I made the recording that same morning, put it in the mail that same day. Within five days, I was broadcasting on KWJS. Does that sound like God putting me on radio? Well, it certainly does. I never had a doubt that it was God doing that. I did tell God, I said, I'm, I'm a writer, not a speaker. But that didn't slow matters down one bit. I had at one point asked God to help me with my Diction. I've lived in southern states most of my life, and I knew I had a small accent, and I asked him to help me. At one point, I wrote a little book called Healing the Wounded Believer, and it was filled with scripture. I recorded that book on a cassette tape, all those chapters of scripture. It was so interesting to me because I wasn't trying to correct my diction, but reading all of that King James English corrected my diction. God has a way to do things when the work is authored by him. In the year 2012, I had a dream in the night where a woman was singing. I was listening to her, and I said, well, she has a nice voice. It's a little voice, but it's a nice voice, a nice little voice. Then all of a sudden, I realized God was leading me to start a blog. A blog is a little voice, but it's a nice little voice. It's free and all over the world. It goes all over the world without any cost whatsoever to the ministry unless you decide to advertise where more people can know it exists. It's a little voice, but it's a nice little voice. I called Pam Paget, who was a computer programmer at FedEx, and asked her if she could set up a blog. And she said she had never... Had, she didn't have any experience with blogs, but she was pretty sure she could. Within two days, Pam had the blog set up, and within three days, we were writing on the blog. Now, that is the kind of assurance I want before I go out to do ministry work. I want to have an assurance that God assigned me to do the work, and that certainly gave me the assurance. In 2020, January 2020, I had been praying about going back on radio. Pam Paget was awakened one morning with the word podcast. She didn't know what a podcast was, but she, even before getting out of bed, reached over and got her Kindle tablet and looked up the word podcast. When she told me what a podcast was, it sounded good to me. I thought it sounded better than radio. It went all over the world. It's sort of a verbal blog. And it went all over the world. And 
It was very inexpensive to do it. And you built up a library of subjects so that the person could select the subject he wanted to hear. He didn't have to be on radio that day listening to radio to hear the message. It was listed on a podcast and he could tune in the message and hear that message. I thought that sounded wonderful. I was quite interested in it, but I hadn't given up the idea of radio either. So Pam found out how to put this out for the people. We had to have a podcast host, and she told me about it. We had to have, of course, a microphone and recorder. It was a very good situation. I had a dream at the same time that I opened my front door and kittens were everywhere on the left side of the door, the right side of the door, the center of the passageway. They were starving. They were lying there. Some were almost dead, wanting food. And I had kittens in my garage wanting food. And I said to God after I woke, what are all these kittens? How can I feed all these kittens? And then I realized that God was showing me baby Christians. He was showing me Christians that were starving to death. They needed to be fed. And I knew the podcast was sanctioned by God. So we began podcast in February 2020. I like to have those strong assurances from God that he is leading me when it is ministry especially. But in all things, we really should have it. In 2020, I was considering reupholstering the front seat in my 24-year-old car. I've had several broken bones in my body, and it's very hard to sit on certain chairs. So I was considering reupholstering the seat on my old car. As I thought about it, I heard these words. Or you could just buy a new car. And I thought, that's right. We could get a new car. I had sold the house in Texas. The money was just sitting in the bank. We could easily get a new car. That same night, I had a dream that I bought a new car. The next day, I told Pam Paget about it, and we went out and bought a car that same day. I don't like to wait when I've heard something that I know is from God. If you pause and you wait, to me, thoughts begin to come to you from devils saying, did God really tell you that? Is that really what God told you? And you can end up explaining away the word of God. Therefore, I don't like to wait when I'm sure God has said something to me. How do we know it's God? Well, the first thing is, if it causes me to go in debt, that would not be God. Because God has taught me to get out of debt and stay out of debt. He's not going to go contrary to that teaching that he's done with me. He's not going to try to have me do something contrary to the word. 
And God taught me long ago that his works are easy to be entreated. James 3.17, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. You don't have to go through a brick wall. God shows you the door whereby you can easily do the work. I see so many ministers go in opposite direction. They send me emails saying they are building orphanages. They are building schools. They are building homes for the old people. And then they want me to send them money. I do not do that because I know this is not the way God works. When he authors a work, the way is there to do the work without having to beg other people, without having to trick them into sending money, as many ministers do today. So I don't send money. But we receive a lot of requests from ministers wanting money, or at least men who say they are ministers wanting money. But that's not the way God has worked with me. When he wants me to do a work, it is easy to be entreated. One minister, or man who said he was a minister, said he wanted to give Bibles out every person who came to his meeting. And would I please send him money for Bibles or send him Bibles? Well, I didn't do either. As much as I love the Word of God, you'd think that one would really get me, but it didn't because I knew this was not a work of God. This was a work of his own flesh, and I knew it. He did not have the money to do the work, and he was going to try to get other people to pay for the work. That is not God. The people of God who are really authored by God, who are sent by God, are not beggars. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Yet these ministers are out there begging day and night for money to pay for television or radio or to do some other work. And I know this is not God. So I don't answer their emails. James 3.17 tells us how we can identify if the wisdom is from God. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, meaning it's not of your own flesh. Then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. Now the story I told you about hearing or you could just buy a new car. That was the first inkling I'd had whatsoever toward buying a new car. I hadn't even thought of a new car. That would be an example of a pure idea. Peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. Well, it's very easy to pay cash for the car. 
because I had all that money sitting there from the sale of the house, just sitting in the, in the bank. Full of mercy and good fruits, not going to cause anybody difficulty. It's not going to cause your family to be harmed and drained. Without partiality and without hypocrisy, no pretense involved in the situation. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Several years ago, I attended a church in Dallas, Texas, where I lived. A young married couple announced that they were quitting their secular jobs to moved to the nation of Israel to minister. I didn't think much about it at the time, but they were they left Dallas. Then about a week later, they were back, and people said, what happened? They said, well, we got over there, and we couldn't speak the language. It was virtually impossible to earn a living, and we just couldn't do it. This is an example of following the wrong spirit because the Spirit of God would not lead you into that type of situation. It was so foolish to quit your secular jobs and to go off to Israel where you don't even know the language and think you are going to do a work for God. Devils will lead you that way if you allow them. And then Jesus will cast you aside saying, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. God didn't author that work. So we do have to be very careful. In the, so to speak, good that we do, that we don't do more harm than good in our good work. If the work is authored by God, it will be a good work. Here's another example. I fell in October of 2018. It was a pretty bad fall. They didn't keep me in the hospital because the bones that were broken were in my upper right arm, and they said there's nothing they could do for that type of bone break. You can't have surgery on it. You just make it immobile with an ace bandage. But it was terribly painful. And I was basically helpless at the house. One of the church women that lived in the same city I lived in at the time, she came over to help me. And I decided to hire in-home care. And she said... But you're keeping me from doing the work God has given me to do. And I said, oh, no, I'm not. This is not a work that God has given you to do. And I hired the in-home care. And after I hired the in-home care to help me, she saw how helpful it was. And she was so glad I'd hired them. But you see, I knew she was not appointed by God to take care of me. I knew she wasn't, and I was not going to go along with her thinking. Sometimes you have to stop the good work 
There was a man who came to do some extermination for us, and just almost immediately he began talking about God. And then he told us that in the summers he went out and did ministry work, and he started naming the states and cities that he had gone to to do ministry work. I didn't want to hear this. So I interrupted him, and I said, How did God show you to do this work. He just froze. He had no answer. Well, God didn't show him to do it. That was the answer. Not only that, he did not say one thing of God the entire time he was at my house. Some people sacrifice for God thinking they are doing something by the Spirit of God when it isn't the right spirit. I strongly recommend that you keep James 3.17 in front of you. I also recommend that you pray to God and ask him to confirm this thing that that you think he wants you to do. Everything God has ever had me to do has been easy to be entreated. It's been easy to do it. That is a key thing with following God. Jesus says, My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, it's not that it puts more of a burden on you. It's not that you're going to have such a huge burden you can't climb the hill, offering Bibles to everyone that comes to your meeting doing things that are impossible. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. So often it's ego that gets people to do these great works from God, for God. It's ego. Wanting to be a big name, Wanting to be known. Wanting to do something great. Ego. So I'm just exhorting you to be careful. To put aside your reputation among men. I've always wondered, why can't they just do these works there in their own neighborhood? Or in their own housing development? Why do they have to go all over the world? and try to get us to pay for it. It often makes no sense to me at all. There was a time when Marilyn Hickey and I were both with the same advertising agency, Michael Ellison Advertising Agency, and Marilyn said to me, Joan, please pray that Michael will approve my going on television because she wanted to go on television. It wasn't pray that God will approve it. It was pray that the agent would approve it. I did not do that. I didn't argue with Marilyn. I just stared at her. And later I thought, well, she wasn't asking me to pray to God that he approve it. She was praying that Michael Ellison would approve her going on television. She did go on television and became a great star. But was it God? 
But we don't have to answer that. God will answer it in the day of judgment. But there's a heavy burden on her. A very heavy burden. There is no burden on me at all. I go all over the world and preach the gospel constantly, every day. By our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations, the podcast, and the books we publish on Amazon. And the total amount of money required to do this work is $100 a year that we have to pay the podcast host. It costs nothing at all to present the blog. It costs nothing at all to write the books on Amazon. We get a small royalty. It costs $100 a year to pay the podcast host for our podcast. Our expenses are $100 a year. You don't hear me begging you for money. Well, there's a reason you don't hear me begging you for money. I don't need your money to pay for my works that are authored by myself because I don't author the works by myself. God authored them, and the works he's having me do right now, I just do from my bedroom, writing the blog, recording messages, and writing books. That's all I have to do. And it goes all over the world. I cannot imagine these ministers that want to travel to Iran, Pakistan, India. I've heard some of them speak. And they really have nothing to say (laughs) except clever stories that they make up. It's not spiritual at all. But they become very famous, and they have huge amounts of money that people send them. But you don't hear me doing that because God is authoring the works I do. I'm 82 years old at the time I'm making this podcast, and I don't need your money. Yet I can send these messages out all over the world. Think about it. So many ministers today are extortioners. They try to twist you and ring you into giving money. That is extortion. And they use scripture to do it. And other gimmicks that their advertising agency dreams up or that they dream up to pay for their works. God's led me where... There is no need. There is no want. Don't you think that that's a fifth scripture? The Lord is my shepherd. The word of God is my shepherd. I shall not want. Because he's leading me into green pastures beside still waters. That's really the way God leads us. And we get to do plenty of sharing the gospel. You can share your testimonies, with your neighbors, with your friends, with your family, with people at a grocery store. There are many places that I share. People at the dentist office. I've shared shared almost everywhere I go. I share truth from God, the gospel. That is the gospel. God's testimony to us is the gospel. 
This is Sean Boney speaking. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.